Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. that are tuning in online uh, obviously we added another song to our service so we're getting to you just a little bit later in the morning and so that might just be the case but welcome so glad that you're joining us come on everybody in the house give the people online a big hello come on somebody hey <laughs> glad that they're tuning in with us and we're glad that you're with us here this morning we are starting a brand new series or we started last week simply called heart for the house and I'm excited of what God's going to do. We're going to continue to talk about what we uh, left off with last week. But uh, just again, my wife, she shared with you in regards to our son and just the testimony of the miracle that took place. And I don't know about you and what kind of God you serve, but I still serve the God of the Bible that has a hand that's involved in our life, still works miracles, and therefore he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't, again, I don't know about you and what kind of God you serve, but my God still answers prayer. Amen. Amen. My God still is alive. He's not dead. Amen. I'm so, so blessed. I'm telling you what. I sit back and on. And I was sitting here on the front row as I was thinking about it and listening to my wife share the story of that. And I, I thought, you know, man, I, it's been such an ordeal going through the motions and going into the hospital. It was like almost a 20-hour day going in and waiting for everything. And you're so exhausted and you're so thankful, you know, just uh, knowing that God has, has moved. But then I started to think, you know, it's just like, you know, I really didn't get excited. You know, it wasn't like I was like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. But you know what? As I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, that's just normal, though. I mean, you still get excited about what God does. But when you live that kind of life where God just does, it's just a way of life. I don't have to get excited because it's just once in a blue moon. No, that's the kind of God that I serve. And therefore, man, God's doing those kind of things all the time. And therefore, it just becomes natural. I expect God to show up. Amen? Amen. Well, as I said, uh, we're going to continue with some things from last week. I didn't get to all the message that I wanted to. There were some additional things that I wanted to share with you. But as we do, I want to, again, just kind of lead in with this. And obviously, my son uh, breaking his arm gave me some good ammunition just to uh, add some tidbits of explanation. And so just using the example of my son going into the hospital, arms broke. They say we have to take him into surgery. We might have to do some surgery, pins and things of that nature. Or we just have to set it. We'll find out once we get in there. 
Well, so when we go there and we're going through the procedures, my son is very aware that there is going to be something that happens, right? And every time somebody comes in, a nurse, a doctor, an aide, a janitor, he says to them, um, you're going to put me to sleep when this thing happens, right? <laughs> it didn't matter. They would come in, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, but you're going to put me to sleep, right? I don't want to feel nothing. It's not going to hurt, is it? And so here's the thing. He's very concerned about the pain. He's very concerned about the discomfort. And obviously there is discomfort that is going to come as a result of fixing what is broke. But he knows that his dad does not have him there to put him through agony or extra pain for the sake of just hurting him. He says, there's something broken. There's something that needs to be fixed. There might be some discomfort, but I know that my dad loves me. And I know that I'm going to be better for it. And he's going to get me all fixed up because my dad loves me. Can somebody say amen? So listen, God's looking to fix us and help us in the area that has broken pieces to our life. And I don't care who you are, there's specific areas in our lives that are broken, that are out of joint, that God is looking to put back in place, to get into a healthy place, so that we can fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. But you understand that there are times when God begins to address those things. That sometimes it's uncomfortable, right? I said sometimes when God begins to address those things in our lives, it becomes uncomfortable. But God is not doing it for the sake of hurting. He's doing it because He loves us, right? And so as we begin to just share some things this morning, I want us to know that on the forefront that God loves us. And that if we're going to endeavor to serve Him to the fullest, We've always got to improve and get better. And God is looking to help us along the way. Let me share with you here in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, so then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. So in other words, he's talking about just individuals that don't know Jesus whatever you do do it so that you have the opportunity to promote their spiritual growth or connect them into a relationship with Jesus but then he goes on to say and especially being a blessing to those of the household of faith those that are born again believers so what is church all about do you want to come to church and just hear something that you want to hear or do you want to hear something that you need to hear? <laughs> Amen. That was kind of weak, but praise the Lord, I get what you're saying. We come to church or go to a church that tells us what we want to hear or tells us something or gives us a message that we walk away from and says, whew, that didn't hurt too bad. I can go about my life. Or we can go to a church that tells us what we need to hear and therefore speaks from the heart of God to help us be and become what God has called us to be. Amen. So I'm trusting that's who's here this morning. People that are saying, I want to grow in God and give me what God wants me to hear. I'm ready to receive it. I'm big enough to take it because I want God 
to take care of me and bless me in this life. Amen? Now, I said to you last week, you know, we have a culture that has begun to really influence and shape the culture of church, and uh, understandably so, uh, but it ought not be that way. I mean, in some respects, uh, 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 we said this, that our, our first responsibility as people is to love those, love our brothers and sisters in the household of faith. God says your first priority, love those that are in the house of God. It begins in your home. But you remember last week we said that the Bible said that the world's going to hate you for how you love one another. We know all kinds of people that are from difficult backgrounds, never experienced a loving father, a loving mother, a loving family. Maybe they're from a, a broken family. And then they see us, smiles on our face. See us going through the hardships of life just like them. But they see us maintaining our joy. They see us having squabbles and quarrels among ourselves, but we get over it and continue to love one another. And the Bible says that people, the world, will hate us as a result of how we love each other. But once again, I said that culture of the world has begun to creep into the world, and so therefore we want God results. We want the miracles in our lives, but we don't want to take any personal responsibility. We want God to do everything, and then therefore, when it doesn't come together like we had hoped, then we blame God. If I'm going to blame God, or if I'm going to blame anybody, it's going to blame God because, again, I don't want to take the personal responsibility. But if I'm going to grow, then I've got to be willing to cooperate with Him. I've got to cooperate with His plan and His purpose and His design of spiritual growth. If we're going to learn how to love like God. If we're going to learn what the love of God is, it's going to begin in the family of God. Amen? I said, we're going to learn how to love when we come together. And you know as well as I do, there's persons sitting right next to you that just make that challenging at times, right? But we purpose to walk in love. Amen? And all the wives nudged their husbands and said, God loves you. Praise the Lord. Well, in regards to the church, if you think about God's heart, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son and he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Therefore, we have forgiveness of sin and we can come into a relationship with him. But what was the very first thing that God did after the resurrection? After the resurrection, after Jesus paid the price The Bible says that God sent the Holy Spirit and established His church. He loves you and I so much so that not only did He forgive us of our sins, He created a house, a home, a family, a church that we could come together and grow in the love of God. Isn't it interesting that God says, I love my people and my church so much that there is coming a day of judgment. But not only did I begin the first work after the forgiveness of sin, establishing my church for those that rejected what I did on the cross. He says, I'm going to take my church out first and then judgment's going to come. Why? Because he loves us. I said, God loves us and he created the church for us to continue to grow. You could say it this way, that the church is a modern day ark. 
Do you remember the story of Noah and the ark? I said you could say that the church is a modern-day ark that assembles God's people. It provides nourishment. It provides shelter. It provides protection. It provides stability. And once again, it was created for the family of God. Notice what it says here in Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and it's speaking of that day concerning Noah. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and intention of all humans were thinking, or all human thinking, was only evil continually. Did you hear what it said? When God sent or established with Noah, I'm going to rescue my people. The reason that he did it is he said because in that time, there was great wickedness in the earth. And it says every imagination and intention in all humans, they would think only evil continually. So that means men, women, old, young, and even kids their thinking and their thoughts were evil. And thus, this is why God established the ark. Why did God establish the church? Because there's going to be evil days, wicked times ahead. And he says, I'm creating a place by which you can find protection. You can find security. You can find nourishment. And especially, he said, in the last of the last days, he said, sin is going to abound. It's going to be intensively and increasingly wicked. He said, so don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as some have gotten in the habit of doing. He says, but come and be a part of the assembly because I'm coming soon. Amen. He established the church for his family. Once again, if you think back to that time of Noah, God said that these days in which we live, it would return back to the days of Noah. And isn't that the case? People's thinking, their thoughts are evil. Children, their thoughts and actions are evil. Have you ever saw this within the school systems? As I was a kid, I mean, again, as a kid, you get around your friends and you talk certain ways. As a kid, you use all the lingo, say all the words, and you could say them with the best of them. But you got around an adult, and you didn't dare use that kind of language in front of an adult. You just didn't do it. Today's culture, they don't care if you're an adult, if you're a grandma or grandpa. They'll sit there, look at your face, and cuss you out. Why? Because the culture has shifted. The thinking of this younger generation has become just what God had said. It's growing intensively, intensively more wicked. The ark was an expression of God's love. And all the while, for all those years that they were building the ark, the Bible says this concerning Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness. So in other words, Noah wasn't just building a boat. He was preaching and saying, this is the love of God. Come on in. He was saying, judgment is coming for the wickedness that's in the earth. Here's a church. Come on in. God loves you and wants you to escape. Come on in. He was a preacher of righteousness. 
But the Bible says it was only Noah and his family that remained. As I said, the Bible tells us that in the last days, sin will abound. But he says, how much more will the grace of God abound in this time, in this hour in which we live? The rains began to come in Noah's day, and it began to fill the earth. There is a rain that is in this hour and is raining at this, se- this season in this time in which we live. Sin is abounding, but the grace and the glory of God is beginning to descend. And it's filling the earth, and it's filling the church. Because it's the hour that he's coming. He says, I'm coming back for a glorious church. It's the last days in which we live. How do we know that this is true? How do we know that this is the hour in which we live? Well, let me pause and just say for a minute, or kind of just help you think in a different vein, if you will. If we go back into church history or the history of God's people, you realize that there was a time where there was no Bible, right? And back in the day when they're living their life, they're no different than you or I. They're just living life. They're going to work. They're providing for a family. They're taking care of business. And they're hearing the headlines of the day. Oh, this nation started a war with that nation. Oh, this leader's going after that leader. In other words, they were living life just like you and I. They heard of a man by the name of Moses. Moses went before the government today, and he's pleading with the Pharaoh and saying, let the people go. During that season, that time, nobody is stopping and saying, you know what? This is history in the making right now. They are going to put this in the Bible. Right? They're not aware of what's transcending in the hour in which they're living. They're just living life. No one ever said when David went against Goliath, Oh, dear God, this is Bible stuff right here. They're going to put this in the Bible. And it's going to be for all eternity. People are going to be reading about the story of David and Goliath. No, they were just living life. And so therefore, we read the stories and the accounts after the fact. And we read those stories because we see the goodness and the character of God. That God has always proved faithful. That whenever sin and wickedness abounded, He always provided a way of escape for His people. But now there's something different about the hour that we're living in. We are living in Bible days right now. The supernatural hand of God that moved back then that we read about in hindsight are the days in which we are living right now. And the reason that we know that is because the Bible has foretold and has been prophesied and we can stand back looking at the Word of God and says, this is that which was spoken by the Spirit of God. Amen. We don't have to question and wonder what's going on. Unfortunately, the church has been so hoodwinked and slumbering in their day-to-day, so busy and distracted that much of the church can't stop and see the tree for the forest. But we are living in Bible days right now. 
There are heads of state and there are men and women of great power that are assembling and meeting in this season, in this time. And what they're doing is making way and getting ready for the Antichrist to come. This is the hour in which we live. But once again, so much of the church is unaware. But listen, Jesus is coming. And he says it's time for the church to get ready. Because God says, I have a heart for my house. And your house will be a reflection of his house. And his house ought to be a reflection of your house. I said we're living in Bible days. So let's just look at what has been told us concerning the days in which we live. In Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 22, I'm going to read a portion of scripture here. So don't check out on me. Listen to this. If it's up on the screen, read along with me if you can. But in Luke chapter 17, verse 22, this is Jesus speaking. And if you give any credibility to to anybody that you read after the word of God, when it's written in red, we ought to pay attention. This is Jesus, the head of the church speaking. And this is what he says to us. He says, then he said to his disciples, the days will come when you'll all desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you'll not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not, go, do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightnings that flash out of the part of under the heavens shines, he says, to the other part under the heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer uh, many things and be rejected by this generation. As Paul's there. He said, in this day, in the days to come, generations or this generation will reject him. The hour that we live in, the world is rejecting Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the day of Lot, speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day... He who is on the housetop and his uh, goods are in the house. Let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Did you hear what the scripture tells us? Jesus said, in the last days, it will be likened to the days of Noah. And he goes on further to say, that it will be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is the hour in which we live. And he's saying, get ready. Now let me just draw your attention for a moment, because there's somewhere that I'm going with this. If you recall concerning the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 19, That God sends two angels to give assistance to Lot and his family. And if you'll recall the story, you can read it. 
But the Bible says that when the angels came, they went into the house, and it said, men, young and old, from every region surrounded Lot's house. And they said, send us out those two men that are in there so that we might know them carnally. Did you hear what I said? In that time, they had a visitor. They did not know that it was angels. Angels sent them to prepare them because hellfire and brimstone's coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God's going to rescue his people. But they said, send them out so that we might know them carnally. And so Lot goes out to reason with them. Now listen to this. Listen to the love of God. Because he went there to rescue the righteous. But listen to how they were impacted and somewhat poisoned by the community that they were in. Lot goes out to reason with him and he says this. He says, I'm not going to send out these men to you. He said, but I will send out my daughters and you can do what you will with them. What? How crazy is that? What father says, no, not these strangers that I don't know, but my daughters? <laughs> Here you go. Are you hearing and seeing how this wicked city had an effect on righteous people? But then the angels called them back in and says, we got this. And it says that the angels struck them all with blindness. So where they couldn't even find the door to the house. <laughs> Amen. But what's my point? My point is this. Is that God said, I'm going to rescue my righteous. I'm going to take them out. But notice what they said. Send them out to us. Remember that. Send them out to us that we might know them carnally. I presented that picture to you because, once again, we are living in Bible days, and you have to be aware and give attention to it. God wants to preserve the generations to come. The devil wants to destroy the next generation so that there is no next generation. Currently, my wife made mention of this, and this is something that we prayed for or prayed on our Wednesday night prayer several weeks ago. She brought to our attention concerning the current administration. Our current administration is trying to put into law that concerning all this liberalism, search for identity, that they want to put in place a policy within our school systems that any child that identifies with something other than what they are, you have to acknowledge it. So in other words, if Bobby wants to be Susie, the school is mandated by law to recognize it. If little Bobby wants to be little puppy, little Fido, you have to recognize it. And you cannot say anything to the contrary. If a teacher says, well now Bobby, you're not a little girl, you're a little boy. Fired. If you don't address them as to the manner that they want to be called or addressed by, if you say, well, no, your name isn't Susie, your name is Bobby. Fired. 
If a parent does not cooperate with the child, and if the school finds out that you are not cooperating with the wishes of the child, they can call child services on you, and they will come and pay a visit to you as to why you're not letting little Bobby be little Susie. Are you seeing how our world is changing? I said, are you seeing how our world is changing? Now, let me share another thing with you. This is a story out of the headlines here in Michigan. There was a mother down in Dearborn that found out that the school system had several books within their library that promoted homosexuality. And so she went to... Now, let me pause for just a moment. Let's, let's just address some issues. We're not against people of homosexuality. We love people. I said we love people. It don't matter what your persuasion is. God loves the homosexual. So don't hear this as being critical. I'm just talking facts concerning the hour and the age that we live in. we all on the same page and understand, okay? So this mother raises the concern to the church board, and so they remove the books for a season out of the library so they can review the issue. And then they had a town hall meeting where everybody could come in with the church board and weigh in. So as the mother comes in, she says this. She says, there is one in particular book that I really take issue with, and the title of the book is called Flamer. It goes on to say this. The mother says, it depicts sexually explicit acts between young boys and graphic descriptions. The mother of four says, her concerns aren't just about books depicting same-sex people. She said, if they were just the, the LGBT uh, to uh, LGBT romance novels she says I would be completely okay with that but where I draw the line is teaching them how to actually do the act so in other words this book not only graphically explained it it had pictorials showing and she said this is where I draw the line well then one individual stood up which was a former teacher we'll just call him Paul Paul, a former teacher with that district, he says this. He says, well, that book has educational value, value, value. He says, during his time at the Dearborn Public School, uh, he said, the books helped. Uh, let, me, uh, let, me, let, me, let me get where I'm at. He said, Bruce helped with the school's the anti-bullying campaign. It answered so many questions that I Wish I could have been answered or could have been answered for me when I was a child. He says, my life would be totally different if I had some material like this. He says this, the books cover topics like how to join dating apps, how to talk to people with, who identify with Christianity, uh, Muslims, or other sexualities. And then another individual stands up and says this, no one has the right to censor someone else except a parent for their own child. So in other words, you take care of yours, don't worry about mine. As a public official, it is your duty to try to maintain as wide of access 
of information as you can or as possible to our students. A school board member drew applause from the crowd after saying, books help expose students to different viewpoints and lifestyles. It is our responsibility to educate students in a manner that they are prepared to go forward as responsible citizens and adults in this world. This individual was a public school board of educator, or education rather. So listen to what it says. Parents are in an uproar that this mother says, I don't want this in my school system. Parents were outraged. A particular teacher that was a homosexual says, listen, had I had information like this, it would have helped me as a young man and helped make sense of the things that I, were going, uh, that I was going through. Another parent stood up and said, listen, you take care of your kid in your own house. Don't worry about the rest of us. And then a public board of education person, someone that is elected by the people, stands up and says, it is all right. To expose them and share with them different lifestyles so that they can make a choice. I share that with you for this reason. We are sending our kids into Sodom and Gomorrah. And they are saying to you, send us your kids that we might know them carnally. You say, that's not what it said. That's exactly what it said. Read between the lines. Give us your kids so that we can expose them carnally and get them all messed up. Come on, somebody. I said, are, are you here this morning? Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. I said to you that we intend to love on you and share the love of God in a practical way. I said to you that when it comes to the child that's getting the set bone, you're purposing to get them healthy and whole, but the process might be a little hard to go through or hard to hear. So this is what the Lord spoke to my heart when we were praying just a matter of a few weeks ago. As my wife was sharing the story, I was saying to myself, or I hear the, heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me this. When it came to Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, did I not go pull them out? He said, when it came to Noah, did I not provide a way that I took them out and didn't let them ex be exposed to it? Now, I'm not telling you what you should do or shouldn't do. But what I am saying is that there is an agenda out there that we are sending them into the lion's den. And it is our role as moms and dads to train up our children. And you might say, well, listen, that's a hard thing to hear. I want to ask you the question, what price tag do you put on your child? I said, what price tag do you put on your child? Well, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got vacations that I want to go to. There's extracurricular. Is it greater than the soul of your child? Now you might say, well, listen, there are those that go into the, the workplace, into the schools, and that's their mission field. 
then my question for you is this. Where's your child's relationship with God? If they don't have a relationship with God, they're not going to go in there and be a witness. They're going to get consumed and ate up by the culture of the day. Are you doing okay? Well, now, pastor, you're getting close to home. I want to. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. And so, again, if you're feeling, feeling the heat, this isn't directed at anybody. You realize that God loves you, right? And listen, I'll tell you this as a pastor. I would rather do what God's called me to do and you walk away and leave and say, I don't, I don't want to go back there anymore. At least I would know that I did my job and you heard what God wanted to say. And then you have to do what you have to do based on what you hear. It's because I love you and care about you. Amen? How many of you ever heard this before? I don't want to force my children to go to church. I don't want to force my kids to go to church. Don't we force them to go to Sodom and Gomorrah every single day of the week? We force them to go to Sodom and Gomorrah because, well, they need an education. Exactly. We send them to church because they need an education. But not only an education of religion, they need a relationship with Jesus. Amen? And you say, well, yes, I have to force my kids to go to Sodom and Gomorrah because I've got a mortgage. Listen, I'd live in a cardboard box if it meant that I could protect my kids from being exposed to certain things. Now, let me just pause for again once for just a moment. Because I know, I was talking with somebody just the other day, and, and we were talking about family, and the, 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 I said, well, does your one family member, you know, serve God? And I said, no, he don't believe in God. Doesn't go to church. And I said, well, how, how come? I said, well, what, what happened? And, and the response is, well, we were forced to go to church as kids. Hear this in the right manner. If you were forced to go to church and the experience was not good, then here's the reason why. And you can argue me all day long if you want to, but it's still the truth. If you were forced to go to church and church was a bad experience, the only reason why is because your mom and dad only had religion and did not have a relationship with Jesus. You can't tell me that you walk with the Prince of Peace, the creator of the universe, the one that gives me and bursts within me the spirit of joy. You can't tell me that you know him and that it is a burden to go into the house where he wants to love on you. It's impossible. And so what are we doing? We are purposing to raise our young men and women. And the music's playing, so it's telling me that my time is up, I guess. <laughs> is that in the notes? I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I understand that we want our children to know God in the right manner. But if they see you as moms and dads loving God, enjoying life, church is not a burden because it's just who we are. Does that make sense? 
Now you can cue the music. This is a, this is a, good, it's a good place to stop, I guess. Now. I could say this part better if there's music playing. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Now listen, I want you to hear this. This is the hour that God loves you enough to speak to you difficult things. Understand, I don't like to talk about difficult things because, again, it puts me in the hot seat. But I love you enough. But when we have the hard conversations, the test comes. And I know that when hard conversations come, we start to question, am I in the right place? Is it time to go? Do I need to stay here? Well, if God's leading you to another place, listen, we love you. And we would love for you to be in the right place at the right time. But if you're only feeling the squeamish feeling of the parting because I hear God challenging and stretching my heart, then let God grow you. Amen? Because you can go anywhere and hear what you want to hear. And your kids and your family can suffer. Or we can say, God, I'm willing to allow the adjustment to take place. I know and recognize there's things that are broken in my life or there's broken in my family. And just acknowledging that something is broken is not something that is a bad thing. It's just, God, there's something out of alignment. And so, God, thank you for bringing it to my attention. God, help me. Help me align what's needing to be aligned. Help mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, come together, be united, and have one voice, one heart, and see a family come in line in walking with Jesus. Come on, you want to see a church grow? Let's just lean in and allow God to love on us enough to knock off the rough edges and make us what He wants us to be. Come on. If God's talking to you as people, how many of you know He's talking to me as a pastor? Because you can't go any further than where God takes me. So if God's chipping some edges on you, listen, I'm feeling it first. But we're walking together, amen? And I'll love you if you love me. And I'll love you in spite of it, even if you don't love me. Amen? Can you stand with me? Father, I thank you that you're giving us a heart for the house. And the house is not a place of religion. It's a place of meeting. It's a place of where we meet you. And where you pour into us, where you love on us. And we take that and stay ignited for the whole week. We take it to our homes. We ignite our homes. We ignite our spouses. We ignite our family. We begin to start fires in the workplace, igniting them with the love of God. Oh, because you're doing a work on the inside. And therefore, every Sunday, from one Sunday to the next, oh, I don't dread going. Oh, I'm excited to go because there's a fire that's ablaze on the inside. And it seems as though it's just consuming me. And I I can't wait to have more, see more, experience more because God, you're growing me in this hour and the hour is coming where you're pouring out your spirit and therefore, God, it is just about time to go home and I want to be ready in Jesus' wonderful name.
And we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.